All right, Amanda, where are you hiding? Hi there. That was a lot of fun to stand up in front of everybody and talk about that, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I heard. I heard sincerity and a tremendous passionate desire to serve Jesus. And uh, keep the faith. Keep the faith. I know it's hard to stand up in front. I did that once. Well, I, actually, the truth is I've never had a hard time standing in front of people. <laughs> but I did have a terribly hard time asking people for money. So help Amanda. Get out your pocketbooks and don't be such uh, tightwads. See, I can do this because you can't fire. Well, you could fire me. It's fine. I don't care. I got a job. Um, you know, and, and I say that in all seriousness and godliness. Be certain be praying for her, because if she had all the money in the world and no prayer, that would be worthless. But if she has all the prayer in the world and she has no money, that would be worthless. It's all, all, not worthless, but it just doesn't work. So please, uh, take the time to talk to her afterwards. And, you know, some of us who have done that realize just how hard it is to say those words. And so today I'll say them, I'll say them for you. And God bless you. It, uh, YWAM is a great organization, as you already know, because you've been there, and uh, that's what the church is about. You know, we, we, ought, we minister here, but we don't just minister here, we minister around the world. So, let's have a short word of prayer for me. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for your word. Help me to preach honestly, and Lord, may you uh, communicate well, and may we hold your word up high, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So today there's a lot of things going on that we could talk about to start a sermon, and so I'm going to change up a little bit, and, and I'm going to say uh, start with saying today is what day? What's today? What do we celebrate today? St. Patrick's Day. Anybody wearing green today? Would you, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, several people wear green. Some of you wore green and had no idea why you were doing it. Um, St. Patrick's Day. Um, now can you tell me about St. Patrick? He wasn't Irish, this is true. Where was he from? England, yes. How did he spend the first years of his life in Ireland? As a slave, you betcha. And he said he was never going back, didn't he? But God had a plan for his life, and so, yes, I often, my Catholic friends are quite sad when I tell them, <laughs> you can have him as St. Patrick, but he wasn't, he wasn't Irish and he wasn't Catholic. But, uh, but, tremendous missionary. You read his story of his life. He deserves to have a whole week where we honor him. And, uh, you know, he was just a regular guy who said, yes, I'll do what the Lord asked me to do. So don't be afraid to do the, do the same thing. This morning, we're going to go back to Abraham, and we're going to talk more about his faith. And, uh, and this morning, we're going to talk about promises. Promises. How many times have you made, how many promises have you made this week? I'll bet if I ask around the room and I ask how many of you had, had promises made to you, everybody would say yes. How many of you had promises broken? Most of us would say yes. How many of you have broken promises? We'd say yes. Sometimes we intend to and sometimes we don't. Sometimes it becomes impossible for us to keep those promises because we're not God. God loves 
Ishmael. You remember he and Sarah came up with a plan with Hagar, the, the slave girl, and so Abraham had a relationship with her, and Ishmael was born. And if you remember, Ishmael means the God who hears. And Abraham probably thought, you know, God has accepted our plan because 13 years go by and Ishmael grows and he learns to walk and to run and to talk and to play and Abraham loves him and 13 years have gone by. And then this happened and I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 17 verses 1 through 7 and then 15 to 21. 1 through 7 and then 15 to 21. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. And picking it up in verse 15, then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, or Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? You see, he immediately accepted the name change. Didn't fight it. But he said, how's that going to happen? And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He loved Ishmael. He was 13 years old. Lord, here he is. We came up with this plan. We solved it. You don't have to do this. God says, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Now that becomes a very momentous year from therefore. God hasn't talked to him in 13 years, but we're going to find out as we move forward later on. He talks to him here shortly thereafter. The angel of the Lord comes. He talks to him again. Sodom and Gomorrah happens. And after that, uh, Sarah laughs at God and says, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> now how many, who, let's see, who here has been married 50 years? Let's see, anybody here married 50 years? Okay, just, oh, okay, all right. Well, we do have a couple. Okay, how many years have you guys been married? 56. Now, with all due respect, can I ask if you are expecting a baby this year? <laughs> I, no, no, okay. I've never had a couple married 50 years said, well, we hope so. <laughs> uh, no. In fact, one church I was in, the couple had been married 65 years, and uh, she was quite 
quite a gal, and I said, uh, you guys wouldn't be happy expecting a baby. And she said, oh, Lord, I hope not. <laughs> no. There are times in life for everything. And God comes to Abraham, and, and first of all, he, gives, he says, Abraham, he said, here I am, God Almighty. Now, that's a new name for God. And that name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. God Almighty. That's the all-powerful God. And uh, he comes, and of course, Abraham says, well, how about Eliezer? How about Ishmael? And God says, no, no. This is how it's going to happen. And in verse 1, he, he says, now here's my name, El Shaddai. Now, in, in Genesis, God reveals three of his names. Elohim, in the beginning, the creator God. Jehovah, the covenant God of promises and, and covenants, and now El Shaddai, God Almighty. And he reveals these, and so here it is, Abraham, I am God Almighty, and I'm talking to you. And Abraham immediately believed him. I think sometimes we get a little bit too familiar with God. I've never been a fan uh, it's never impressed me when somebody talks about God as the man upstairs. Well, first of all, let me tell you, he's not upstairs and he's not a man. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. If you were in the presence of God, you wouldn't talk so freely about him. You would tremble with joy, with respect. Did you hear a little bit of tremble in someone's voice this morning? Because she respects you. And so how would it be before God? The same respect. And so he comes and Abraham listens to it and says, okay. And God says, now this is my new name. Abram, you get a new name too, by the way. Your name is Abraham. Abram meant father of many. He's only really the father of one. And then later it's Abraham, the father of a multitude. He also comes then and says, now I'm also going to change your wife's name, Sarai, or Sarai, which was contentious. How would that be, guys? You're looking for a wife. And your man, a living, yeah. Well, there's that girl. She lives down the street there in that house. She's, uh, what's her name? Her name's Crabby. Oh, yeah, that sounds nice. Is that her real name? You know, nicknames are interesting, aren't they? Sometimes we use nicknames for people face to the face, and other times people have nicknames that people use when they're not around. I, when I, when I lived in Ecuador, the Quechua's, they all had nicknames for each other. And you had to, once you got to be really good friends, you could use them, and they even used them when they were pastors. And I mean, there was mouse face and sweet shins. And the one I loved the most, who was a great pastor, his name was Goat Manure. And it came from when he was seven years old and fell in a pile of goat manure on the way to school. And they even called him and they said, and now preaching tonight is Pastor Goat Manure. And everybody would laugh. His real name was, his name was Jose. But there were 27,000 Jose's and so they all had nicknames. Mine, by the way, was Negathead. <laughs> but this actually did appear to be the real name of Sarah. Sarah was Sarai and it was contentious and God changed her name to Princess. That's a big change. That's the kind of change that Christ works in our heart, and there's probably a whole sermon right there. Um, 
And so God comes, and then in the verses, he says, okay, now I'm, I'm going um, to expand this covenant, and I'm going to make it bigger. And Abraham says, well, I don't really think you can do it. God says, my name is El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. So what's going to happen here is impossible, except I'm going to do it. So therefore, it is possible. Now, in verses 9 through 14, I'm not, I didn't skip them uh, really on purpose. I mean, we don't have enough time to go into the whole covenant of circumcision and what that's about, but that's where it comes into play. And we have some participants here in the covenant that are given in verses 16, 17, 18, and 19. So there's Sarah, Abraham, and then in 18, it mentions Ishmael and says, it is not him, and it is Isaac. So it's very, very specific. So who fulfills the covenant? Now, that's, of course, a battle around the world today between Muslims and Jewish people when they want to talk about that. Was it Isaac or was it Ishmael? Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that. You know, Genesis was, uh, was probably written in 1,400 years before Christ. Islam was founded in 527 A.D. That's uh, about 2,000 years later. And the Quran was written a few years after that. It's interesting that in the Quran, Ishmael is mentioned 12 times. He's called a prophet. He's called an apostle. Um, Ishmael, and, and in the Quran, it tells us that Ishmael lived in Mecca. It says Abraham visited him there. He didn't like his first wife. He got him a second wife. He likes the second one. Uh, then when it talks about Abraham offering uh, a son there, um, it, 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 uh, it doesn't mention a name. It leaves Isaac's name out. Um, but then after that, it names Isaac and says, Isaac is the child of promise. Now, those, that's the original Quran. Now, over the next 1,000 years, they have what they called revised interpretation. And so if you read a modern Quran, it's going to leave Isaac out and it's going to name Ishmael as, as the child of promise. And so you have the battle, which still we don't know how it's going to, how is this all going to work out if you're in Jerusalem and you look and there's the Temple Mount and here's a huge mosque on the Temple Mount. And, and scripture tells us someday there's going to be a temple there again. Now, how's that going to work out? I have no idea. But let me tell you something. Who does? El Shaddai. El Shaddai comes and says, you're 100 years old, Abraham. You're going to have a baby next year. You better, you better get to exercising so your knees don't creak as much. Sarah, you're going to have a baby. I'm nine years old. Yeah, she just laughed. El Shaddai. And so this whole battle is there, but the Bible, of course, is very clear. Very specifically, in verse 19, it mentions Sarah is going to be the mother of the child. That's Isaac. It says Isaac is chosen. Ishmael is blessed. And then if we read ahead in, in chapter 21, Ishmael then, uh, about three years go by, and Isaac is being, uh, it's weaning time for Isaac. Who knows? He was probably whining and, you know, crabbing. And he was probably three to four years old. And Ishmael is making fun of him. Mocking him is the term. You know, we probably, we don't use the term mocking so much. We talk about teasing. So I have a question now. How many of you have older brothers? Okay, or older sisters. They do the same thing. So my dad, I'll tell you a couple stories because, uh, one, uh, they fit with this text, and two, it will wake you up. So 
I had three older sisters. I had one older brother. In my house, there was a rule, a cardinal rule that was never to be broken. That was my father's rule, and it was this. Boys don't hit girls. There was no excuse. There was no justification. It did not matter. And so my sisters, God bless them, and I love them now. I was uh, a fair amount younger, and I suppose I was annoying, but they would start in on me, and they would just pester and pester and pester until I would get ticked off. This one I was fairly small, and I would punch them. When I did, they'd get this look on their face. Dad, yeah, he was sitting in a green chair, still got the chair, yeah, Dan hit me, the chair would creak, and I would tremble, because I knew what was coming, and he'd come in there and look at me, he said, did you hit your sister, and there was a second cardinal rule, if you lie, you get double, and so, and, and he had a rhythm, so one was four swats, double was eight. And I'd look at him, I'd say, yeah, but, and I would get it out as fast as I could. They did that, and he'd just, he'd let me finish, and he'd say, boys don't hit girls, and whop, every time. But I hit him because they were teasing me. Now, my mom was a little bit more compassionate. If she heard it coming, she'd try to put a stop to it. Then I had a brother. <laughs> His teasing was a little bit, a little bit more than that. But I did have my ways to get back, by the way. My two sisters slept upstairs in this bedroom on an old farmhouse. And when you went into the bedroom, on the back wall, there was a whole series of closets. And if you opened one door and went into that, behind it was another door that went into the attic. And if you walked across the attic to the corner, that's where the fuse box was. I mean, it was built before electricity. And so that was known as the spook hole where the boogeyman lived. Now, I don't know how I had the guts to do this. I couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old. But my two sisters had really ticked me off. So when it was about bedtime, I pretended to go to bed, but instead I snuck in their room, opened that closet up, and got in there. And there I sat until they came up to go to bed. When they came up to go to bed, I waited. I heard them put on their pajamas. I heard them turn off the light. When the lights were off, I started pounding on that door. They scream. I mean, my sisters, they probably ran an eight-second, hundred-yard dash down that stairs. You could just hear them going down, and I could hear my dad thundering up the stairs. I didn't think about that part. And I, I was out of the closet, the door was open, and I was coming out, and the light was on when he came tearing around that corner. And he looked at me, and I looked at him. And he said, that was a really good one. <laughs> See, I didn't hit him. And then he looked at me, and he said, but don't do it again. And I never did it again, but we still talk about that today. Do your kids tease each other all the time? Yeah. What was Ishmael doing? I don't know, but it was not nice. 
And Sarah sees this, and she says, that's it. Abraham, get that slave woman out of here. <laughs> I think Sarai was well-named. They used Hagar when they had no use for her anymore. Get her out of here. And here, and if you go ahead to verse, uh, well, in chapter 21, verses 9, it says, and God says to Abraham, listen, listen to Sarai. And I think one of the reasons was the test was then coming with Ishmael to offer him up as a sacrifice. And Abraham had to have no options. This is my only son. Because God later on the cross offers his only son. And so Hagar takes Ishmael. They leave. He marries an Egyptian. And so the separation between the cousins lasts. And of course, uh, Abraham's grandson is later sold to Midianites who are descendants of Ishmael, and it continues on to this day. Now, God, through this, teaches us some things. We know that 100-year-old men, even at this time in Scripture, did not have children, neither did 90-year-old women, and, and, and yet God says, Isaac is a child of promise, and he's going to come. And he promises, and so he keeps his word. And so out of this, there are two lessons that I'd like us to learn this morning. The first one is this. God's promises are based on God's power. God's promises are based on God's power. You know, when they built the Hubble telescope, they originally aimed it at a spot in space where there was nothing that they couldn't see anything. They aimed it because they wanted to see if there might be something there where it looked like there was nothing there. And as the, the telescope looked, they were amazed to see there wasn't nothing there. There were trillions of stars there. You look up at the stars at night, we see just a few of them. Now, I want to tell you something that's true. God created all those stars two minutes, one afternoon. We're not dealing with a God on a shelf. We're not dealing with a God who can't do things. We're dealing with a God who has an absolute plan for your life and my life and the world around us, and his name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. God's power. When you look at Scripture, God comes to Abraham and he gives us some promises. He First of all, he says in, in uh, he says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, Abraham. He says, okay. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make you fruitful. Abraham says, hmm, I don't have any kids. Now, what do you think it was like for Abraham to go to the watering hole? Hi, what's your name? What was that? No, no, what's your name? Abraham. Oh, father of a multitude. Nice. How many kids you got? Uh, I got one. I'm waiting on another one, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's kind of as odd as, you know, we sometimes, cultures are different, but, you know, today, not so much, but there in Ecuador, one of the things they would do is that uh, if you were tall, you know, with their nicknames, they'd, they'd, they'd call you shorty. We used to do that here. If you were, if you were fat, I can say that because I am. So if you're fat, then they, 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 we used to call people skinny. 
And then if you're skinny, you call somebody tubby. And, and so what does he think of Abraham? Father of many, I'll tell you what, he's a father of, he's lost his marbles. He's a father of goofball. He didn't father no children. What are you talking about? But God said, I'm going to make you fruitful. I'm going to make nations of you. I'm going to give you land. And I'm going to be their God. Why can God promise on that? Because the promise doesn't depend on Abraham. It depends on God. El Shaddai. And maybe Abraham thought this way. He might have thought, well, but God, what if, uh, what if I tell another lie like I did when I was down in Egypt? And, 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 uh, and God said, I will make it happen. Well, he said, well, but God, what, 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 if, what, what if I have a grandson named Jacob who's a liar like me? And God said, I will make a covenant. Well, he said, well, what if I have a great, great, great grandson, David, and he's a liar and a murderer and adulterer and everything? And God said, I will make a covenant. Well, he says, what, they, maybe Abraham said, well, what if my children, were, what if they're idolaters? Because they were. And God said, I will make a covenant. He says, well, what if, what if my descendants are so bad that one day they crucify your son on a cross? And God said, I will make a covenant because he's El Shaddai. El Shaddai. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, I hope you remember that El Shaddai, God Almighty, is your God. Why can God talk like this? Because he's not a man. He's God. And that's who we're serving. Thousands of years come by, and Jesus walks on this earth. And Jesus makes a new covenant with us. And Jesus comes, and he says things like this. My sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and not one shall perish. And you may say, as I have occasionally said, but what if I sinned? Or what if I doubt my salvation? What if I change scripture and tell lies about your Lord? What if I stop believing in those last minutes of, and I'm about to die, and I say, Lord, well, I think it's true, and I hope it's true, but I don't know. And what if I break every one of the Ten Commandments? And Jesus said, not one shall perish because he is El Shaddai, God Almighty. The God of promise to Abraham is the God of promise to you and to me. And that's why it makes sense to share that good news with everyone. The promises of God are based on the power of God. The second thing is this. God's promises are a test of our own submission to God. You see, God doesn't promise us all the same thing, does it? Not all of us are preachers. Not all of us are teachers. Not all of us can be farmers. How many farmers are here, actually? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. See, I was raised a farmer, and I'll be a farmer till I die. I, that's how I see myself, even though I don't, you know. I got about two feet wide, four foot long, and I plant tomatoes in there every year. <laughs> and when I'm doing it, <laughs> I can hear my dad say, no, 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 a little bit deeper. You want to go a little bit deeper? 
But God's promises are a test of our own submission to God. Ishmael didn't like not being the child of promise, did he? And he fought against it. And he wasted, God gave him blessings. But because he wanted what somebody else had, he suffered because of it. He wasted his time fighting against it. He missed his own blessing. And we do the same thing. God doesn't bless us all the same ways. I don't, I don't know. Maybe none of you struggle with the thing of that envy deal. You know, God tells us in the Ten Commandments, do not covet, but then we sit in church and we covet what the other guy in the church pew has or in the other chairs. You got the other chairs here. I cannot play sax, and I wish I could. I do, really. I played trumpet in high school. never played it very well. Probably doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I didn't practice. I, I like to preach. I don't always preach well. Sometimes I don't have enough time. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I, because I'm lazy. On it. But I, I like to preach. Maybe some of you, my, my father, for instance, said, I will take on 10 raging bulls before I'd ever get behind a pulpit. We're, we're all made different. But sometimes God calls one of us to do one thing and one of us to do the other. And some of us are just to be that little person that doesn't seem to do much, but they make a difference in the world. I want to tell you about a lady. Uh, now, when I was a little guy, we lived near Round Lake, Minnesota, and across the road, there lived a, a lady who, as far as I was concerned, was 100 years old. Couldn't have been because she lived for many years after that. But her name was Dorst Sampson. She was the kindest, sweetest lady the world had ever seen. And my mother was sick quite a bit, and so I would go over and I would stay with Doris. And I loved to go there. Oh, my word. I would be there at the house. Anything she asked me to do, I would do. We would pick strawberries together. We would make cookies together. I mean, my dad would come and I would hide behind the couch because I didn't want to leave. I mean, I absolutely loved her. And she was kind to me and compassionate to me and taught me. I mean, even in high school, when I was in high school, we didn't live there anymore. I would go in the summer just to stay with her for a few days. Uh, the last time I saw her, I was on the mission field, came home, and she had uh, fallen. She was in the hospital. She didn't long, live long after that. And I walked in, and those eyes, they looked up at me, and she said, Oh, Danny, those people changed the world. So why then does it, do people have to say, Oh, but I wish I was this, or I wish I was that? Because God doesn't call us all to do the same thing. And Ishmael showed by his reaction to God's promises that he really was not all in with God and his relationship was poor. Our true nature gets revealed by that. You can show that, by the way, uh, if you are riding on an airplane and they suddenly say, oh, we need some extra people in first class. Uh, you, you, and you, come on up. Well, all of a sudden, why not me? Now, if they call you up to first class, none of you are going to write a letter to the airline and say, well, what kind of a deal is this? I paid for my coach seat. I want my coach seat. I mean, making me sit up there in them big cushy seats? No. But envy is a tough thing. It's a killer. It is for you and it isn't for me. They tell the story of a very holy man who lived in the middle of a desert and this is just a story, and they say that there were three demons that lived out there, and they'd been trying to get him to sin for years, and they couldn't do anything. And one day, the devil was walking across the desert, and he found them, and he said, hey, how's it going with that holy man there? 
Oh, they said, man, we can't get anywhere with that guy. He is just holy, holy, and he doesn't give in to any of our stuff. The devil says, ha, watch this. He went up and he whispered, whispered in the ear, and that guy started yelling and shouting and cussing and tore down his building. And they said, man, what did you do? What did you, what did you do? And he said, oh, I just told him that his classmate from seminary was just named the bishop of the church. <laughs> Envy will get us. So God's promises are different, and sometimes they're not to us. Can we rejoice when the other person is being blessed? Wow, we should. We should. So my conclusion is this. Um, remember that God's promises are based on God's power. So the things he's promised you, he can do, he can keep. When he says, when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, God's power make that happen. He makes it happen when you don't have a new senior pastor yet. He makes it happen when there's gossiping in the church. He makes it happen when there's division in the church because it does not depend on you. It depends on God and his power. God's power. God's promises are based on God's power. And God's promises are a test of our own submission to God. So in the days ahead, as we look ahead to, G to Easter, we're going to change our focus a bit as we look ahead but right here is when it started, when God said to Abraham, I am going to bless you. And the blessing that came was Christ himself. Are you going to be able to turn off some technology and turn off some noise in this season and prepare your heart for Easter Sunday? Can you do that? Can you focus? Can you remember that this promise, the promise of Christ, is all based on God's power? We're going to look at that, and, and I hope in these days you can focus on that. And as you focus, remember this. Abraham got a new name. Sarah got a new name. And God gave himself a new name. He said, I'm El Shaddai. And because he got a new name, you got a new name when you trusted in Christ as your Savior. Let us focus on Christ these days, even more than we normally do. Turn off some technology, get into the Word, spend more time in prayer, and watch what God can do, because He is El Shaddai. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word, and thank you for names. Thank you for showing us and telling us more about who you are. Lord, help us to be people of faith who trust in you. Help me, Lord, in the week ahead and the decisions that have to be made. Lord, I pray also for the decisions made here, for those who attend here and their, their, their needs. And Lord, we pray and we trust and we say as you taught us to pray, Lord, thy will be done because you, Lord, know best. So we'll trust you, we'll love you, and we'll serve you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.